Welcome to Sports Scene with Steve Russell. Let's talk some sports and have some lunch on ESPN 98.1 FM and 8.50 AM WRUF. Hello and welcome into a Tuesday edition of Sports Scene ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM WRUF. I'm Steve Russell. Time to eat some lunch and talk some sports. Michael is producing the broadcast today. Uh, I'm going to tell you now. I apologize. Um, I have never been this sick. I, I just can't shake this. Um, I, but I'm going to get off the air today and go to a pharmacy and have somebody tell me what the hell I can do to fix this. Because this is just flat annoying. <clears throat> Post-nasal drip. Awful. Um, but uh, we'll slog through today uh, and get you ready for a good show today. Uh, at the top of the broadcast today, hope to be talking to Eileen Morales. She's the softball coach at Georgia Tech. Uh, they are in the Gainesville Softball Regional, and it's their first regional appearance in quite a long time. Um, so we're going to be talking to her, I hope, in just a second. And then uh, Kim Griffin, who's the coach at Kinesis, uh, who's also going to be here for the regional. Hope to have her here today. And then uh, Chris Doring from the SEC Network, hopefully live in studio today, uh, and we'll talk college football with you today. Um, that is what is on the docket. Um, don't forget Gator Baseball tonight, the Gators and FSU, and we'll have it for you live beginning at 6.55. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Um, Mike Morgan's got the game tonight. Uh, my buddy, Gator grad, Chris Burke, uh, will be the analyst uh, as well. So there you are. Um, and I was hoping to get Mike Martin Jr. on, uh, but that did not work out. So uh, you just you take what you can get. And sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. All right. Uh, by the way, Nick Ficarota will get the start for the Gators tonight. And uh, righty Jackson Bollmeister for FSU will start. He's 1-2 with a 4.30 earned run average. Ficarota, 3-0 with a 3.65 ERA. Get, get the feeling uh, you might see a lot of different arms tonight uh, for both teams. But look, make no mistake – uh, Florida State wants to win. Florida wants to win. Uh, then the Gators only have one day off before taking on South Carolina. Uh, William, I got your email, uh, but it's kind of repetitive uh, about Judd Fabian and what he can't do. So, okay, uh, you, you've made that point, and I get it. Um, so we'll see uh, if today or later in the week uh, Sully changes uh, the order um, at all. Um, Patrick says, buy or sell softball beat Virginia Tech in the Super Regional. That's going to be tough. Virginia Tech's pretty good. Um, the Yankees, not the Mets, will win the World Series. Yes, the, as of right now, I mean, the Yankees are playing great. Uh, Bird is better than Luka. Yeah. Uh, Nissan Z or the Supra? Uh, I don't know. 
You're getting out of my comfort zone there. All right, let's talk Georgia Tech softball now. Eileen Morales, the coach at Georgia Tech, now joins us. Coach, thank you for taking time to do this, and congratulations on a good season and making the regional. Absolutely. Thank you. You know, and, and we appreciate you um, having having me on and allowing me the opportunity to talk about um, our, our, our team and this amazing season we've had. You know, one of the things I try to do, Coach, is if a Gator fan's walking into this regional and watching your team play, what kind of ball club will they see? What what's Give me a thumbnail of what your club has done and, and what your team is. Yeah, you know, I think that um, one of the big things for us is we're going to pride ourselves on, on – um, great defense, so bring quality, you know, uh, quality pitching as well. And, uh, you know, we're not we're not necessarily a home run team, so, you know, we hit the ball for more for doubles than anything. Uh, you know, we're going to be aggressive on the bases, so uh, we'll put runners in motion, we'll steal, things like that. Uh, probably not as many long balls, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, we're going to just put people moving and, and, and be aggressive on the base pass. Yeah, I noticed uh, you're kind of like Florida in that. You know, the Gators don't have a lot of home runs either, and both teams play good defense. Very impressed, Coach, with your team ERA. It's less than three. You've had two, you know, mainly two pitchers, but you've had several. Um, talk about the circle and what's what's going on there. Yeah, you know, so Blake Melanin, um, this is, you know, her second full season for us, uh, you know, third year if you count, or third, or two and a half if you count a COVID season. Um, but, you know, she's consistently uh, been an ace for us the last, you know, three seasons. Uh, and, you know, just she's got uh, tricky stuff a little bit. She's, you know, I'll put her out there against anybody in the country. Uh, and then this past year getting Chandler Dennis uh, out of the transfer portal, uh, that's been huge. And, and they've been a really nice one-two punch for us. And, uh, you know, anybody who's been along the game long enough knows that, you know, if your pitching can, can hold people to about three runs a game, you're going to be in any game. And so it's been it's been huge just the addition of Chandler as well to kind of get compliment Blake and uh, those two yeah they've, they've been great for us uh, just consistently keeping us in ball games and it allows the offense kind of to relax and, and be able to you know maybe not have to put up as many runs as, as we had in years past so uh, those two have been great and then kind of the other arms that we have they they combine to come in, in like short release situations or for specific uh, matchups so. I've uh, just been really proud of the growth of our pitching staff because that, that was the number one uh, area of emphasis going into this season. It's been a while since Georgia Tech's been in the regional. I imagine you and the kids pretty excited. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, part of, you know, when, when Todd hired me five years ago, it was to, to get this program back to being a consistent postseason contender. And that is, that's been the uh, focus from day one, you know. Uh, obviously, when you're coaching, you want that to happen a little quicker uh, than it, maybe it did. But, you know, we definitely had a, a, a good bit of an overhaul to do. And uh, with a pandemic in the middle of that, that definitely kind of slowed a few things down for us uh, from that standpoint. But, yeah, just just really fortunate and happy, proud of, of being able to come back as an alumni and, and put a team together, put a squad together that, that is of this caliber and, and to represent Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech softball in the regional. In this day and age, you know, with a lot of video, Coach, is it easier to get, you know, a video on Florida and Kinesis and Wisconsin? Is it easier now than it used to be? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's – it's made the game better, I think. But, there, you know, there's not many things you could hide, uh, whether it's your offensive strategy, you know, what your pitchers throw. I mean, it's, it's all there. And, 
you know, we're fortunate with the ACC network that basically every single one of our games is a full production, um, whether it's streamed or linear or whatever the heck you call it or not. And <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, there's a lot of info. There's a lot of info out there um, on all of the teams, uh, you know. And so, yeah, I think it, it elevates the play. It elevates the coaching. You know, you, you have an opportunity to kind of see the in- intricacies of each team. And, uh, yeah, I definitely think that you talk about 10 years ago, yeah, there, there was some stuff, but not to this extent. And so it definitely allows you to prepare your team as well. But I, I think they're also at a certain point as a fine line between, like, too much information, right? Yeah. Uh, you want to be able to – to coach the game in real time as well. Um, I've asked every coach this. I'll ask you because the transfer portal is reality. That's just what this is. And you mentioned, you know, you that you got a kid out of the transfer portal. Uh, is yeah. this a good thing for the sport? You know, I think it's a sign of the times. <laughs> you know, good or bad. I mean, I think that's, that's a relative term a little bit um, from my standpoint. You know, I think certain kids sometimes aren't in the right fit for whatever reason, and the portal allows them the opportunity to maybe find a better fit. And in that situation, I think that, you know, everybody wants to be somewhere where they can compete and they can have an opportunity to compete for playing time. And so I, I think in that situation, people leaving for a different opportunity or something that suits them better, I, I understand that. Uh, you know, I don't think we can ever go back on it. For me, where we were in our program five years ago, we needed to go out and get transfers in order to kind of get a little bit uh, – uh, more not necessarily experience, but to fill some needs quicker mm-hmm. because we were, you know, trying to catch up on the recruiting trail. And so uh, in our situation, you know, it's, it's been really beneficial for us to, to, to fill some gaps. And then now, you know, once you're getting into having enough time to really truly recruit some classes uh, all the way through, uh, then, then you're able to really get out there and, and compete for some top tier talent um, from the jump, from, you know, the first day of, of being able to contact them. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword, the transfer portal. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that some of that stuff will kind of smooth itself out a little bit more in the next couple of years, and maybe there'll be some changes with it or some more rules with it. But I've always been a fan of, you know, I think student-athletes need, should be in an environment where they can flourish. And, and if that if that means you need a transfer, then, you know, by all means, who am I to, to judge that? Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to let uh, Gainesville know about your club. Safe journey here, and thank you for making time to talk to us. Thank you. Hey, can I get, can I get 30 seconds? Are sure. You gonna, yeah, go ahead. Goal? No, go ahead. I got a funny story for you. I got okay. a funny story for you. So uh, I keep telling everybody this. So last time uh, we were in Gainesville, uh, I, it was actually the last time I played at Georgia Tech. So my final game was played on, on that field. Oh, wow. There at, uh, yeah. And the, uh, the other funny story, I was talking to my, my – uh, my head coach at the time, Sharon Perkins, and I actually, hopefully this doesn't happen this weekend, but I actually was booed in uh, the stadium because <laughs> the Gators, y'all got some great fans. I'm going to tell you, you guys got some great fans. They were they were, they were uh, taunting me a little bit. They were hackling me a little bit. So I was a pretty good player, man. So they were, they were giving me a little bit of a hard time, and I pointed at them, and that was a mistake because after that, they didn't they did not give me a break. So uh, yeah, I got I got booed in there at one point uh, wow. towards the end of the game. That is a uh, funny yeah, story. I and I pointed, yeah, I scored a, I scored a run, and I pointed at the fan that was that was razzing me, and yeah, that was that was game over after that. So uh, yeah, they uh, they uh, gave me a pretty hard time, but you know, congrats to Coach Walton, amazing program he's built it, he's built and continues to build, and again, we're excited to be down there and. And I represent Georgia Tech, uh, and, and hopefully give you all some good games out there. Let's hope so. That's a funny story. Thanks for sharing that. I'm glad you did that. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> safe journey here. Thanks, Coach. Yeah.
Thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. That's that's funny. Uh, Eileen Mor- uh, Morales, the head coach at Georgia Tech. Uh, Matt, Matt, think of that. Her last game as a player was here. Kind of interesting. Twelve fourteen. Time check brought to you by Hayes Jewelry. We're going to talk to the head coach, I hope, at Canisius, another team that's going to be here in the Gator Softball Regional, ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF. Gainesville Sports Center, here's what's trending now on ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF. Good afternoon, I'm Jensen Young. The Gator baseball team starts their final week of the regular season tonight with a game against FSU. You can tune in for coverage of that game right here at 6.55. The Miami Heat start the Eastern Conference Finals tonight against the Boston Celtics after beating the 76ers in the second round. Game 1 will be in Miami. The Tampa Bay Rays continue their three-game series against the Detroit Tigers tonight. Last night, former Gator pitcher Alex Fiedo pitched for the Tigers, giving up just one run. Staying in Tampa, the Lightning begin their second-round series of the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight. They take on the Florida Panthers, who are coming off their first playoff series victory since 1996. That's your Gainesville Sports Center. I'm Jensen Young. ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF. Folks, at Southeast Car Agency, they do only one thing as far as selling their vehicles. And they've done it since they opened their doors over 40 years ago. What is that? They give you the best alternative you have to purchasing a new vehicle. We all know what happens when you purchase a new one. It depreciates as soon as you drive it off the lot. Not the case when you buy these beauties, these great used vehicles from Southeast Car Agency. Go online, secars.com. You'll see the vehicles they have in stock. All the pertinent information is there. If you want to go see them in person, go see them at Northeast 39th Avenue in Gainesville. Test drive them eyeball them, check it out. There's sales staff there to answer any questions you might have. Look, now more than ever because of the price of gas, buying the right car, buying the one that you want is really important. And Southeast Car Agency will work with you to purchase the vehicle you want. Go see them in person. Tell them Sports Scene sent you to Southeast Car Agency. Being a credit union, a home loan isn't just a home loan. It's a promise to be by your side and in your corner. It's a commitment to helping you build the future of your dreams. And it's a shared vision of what could be. With big barn doors and shiplap, so much shiplap. Radiant Credit Union is here for you today, here for you tomorrow, and here for your next 30 years and beyond. Get started today at RadiantCU.org mortgage. Equal housing lender, federally insured by NCUA. Daughtry Tree Service has been voted Our Town Magazine's favorite local tree company for 2020, as well as the Newberry Business Hall of Fame for the third year in a row. Call us today for a free estimate. And remember, at Daughtry Tree Service, there's no tree too tall, we do them all. When was the last time you had a truly awesome nursery experience? A nursery and garden center with a huge selection and friendly expert advice. We're talking about Quality Green specialists in Deland. At Quality Green, we have your favorite plants, fruit trees, flowers, vegetables, and herbs. Plus, with our 8011 fertilizer, organic azomite, and composted soil, your garden will look its very best. Great plants, sustainable products, friendly expert advice. 335 West Michigan Avenue, Deland, and online at qualitygreenspecialist.com. 
It's time to celebrate outdoors. Hi, this is Tom Collette at Electronics World. Let Electronics World help you upgrade your lanai, pool deck, or backyard space with outdoor TVs from Sunbright and Samsung. Outdoor speakers from Yamaha, Sonance, Speakercraft, Kef, Martin Logan, and more. We've got everything you need to entertain your family and friends. Come see and hear for yourself at Electronics World in Gainesville today or online at electronicsworld.net. That's electronicsworld.net. Hey, it's Steve Russell telling you about my friends at Dick Mondell's Burgers and Fries, where better ingredients make better meals. You love the great food like the classic burger, their great salads, and their 100% all-natural chicken burger. And now, back in season, the Key Lime Milkshake to add to their already great flavors. And don't forget, Dick Mondell's looking for new team members, looking for competitive pay, flexible hours, and paid vacations for serious service-oriented workers. Come build the freshest burgers in town by contacting jobs at dickmondells.com. As a small business owner, you've got ings to do. That's why the UPS Store is here to help. From printing to shredding, even mailboxing, you can get every ing your small business needs all done in one trip, saving you time for all your other ings, like professional photo taking or just enjoying family dinner. The UPS Store, every ing for small business, all in one place. The UPS Store. The UPS store locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours may vary. See center for details. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings at 9, right here on ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF, and anywhere in the world on the WRUF radio app. Sports Scene with Steve Russell continues here on ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF. And on your phone with the WRUF radio app. Don't forget, Gator Baseball, FSU tonight, live at 6.55. And then this weekend, the Gator softball team hosting an NCAA regional. One of the teams in it, Canisius, and the softball coach there, Kim Griffin, is now going to join us live on Sports Scene. Coach, good to have you. Thanks for taking time. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, Coach, I'm looking at your numbers here, but I'm going to get to that in a second. I always ask this of a visiting team. You know, a Gator fan is going to come in and watch your team play. You know, what kind of club are they going to see when they watch your team play? Uh, They're going to see a gritty group. Uh, We're fast. That's um, kind of a signature style of play that we have. Um, We're not a, a big long ball team, but we run the bases really well. Um, and, and we've got some great consistency in our lineup, one through nine. Yeah, I see over 100 stolen bases, kind of like Florida. They don't have a lot of homers either, and they have a lot of stolen bases. Same thing with Georgia Tech. Um, you have some hitters. I think you've got five or six of them above 300. Um, that's pretty darn good. Uh, you, you mentioned about you know not having a lot of power, but up and down the lineup, is there good depth to the lineup? Yeah, I, I think that's really our goal when we're building our lineup is to be very balanced. And one thing I always say is speed doesn't slump. So uh, <laughs> yeah. big power hitters, they, they tend to be a little streakier. And so we have power scattered throughout our lineup as well. But one thing that we really try to do is, is have speed in our lineup, one through nine, so that anytime we're on the bases, we can look to, look to move um, and put pressure on the defense. In the circle, a uh, really good team ERA, uh, about two and a half. Uh, and you've used, you know, five or six different arms. Tell me about the, mm-hmm. the pitchers in the circle. So, Megan, guys, she's been our number one throughout the last few weeks of the season. She was a pitcher of the year in our conference. She is a super consistent, competitive, 
calm pitcher that it doesn't matter who we're facing. It doesn't matter if we're, you know, in a MAC championship game or in a regional round. She takes them out with confidence. She's super calm. Uh, and she, she trusts her defense behind her. Um, after that, we have Alexis Churchill. She's a left-hander. She spins the ball really well. She's been closing out games for us, and, and she's been really phenomenal in that role. And then we have Emily Nicosia. She's a fifth-year senior. She's got a ton of experience on the mound for us. And Shay Allison is another fifth-year senior that has had a um, kind of an interesting career. She had to redshirt a year. She had shoulder surgery. Um, and she's really just starting to come into her own now in her fifth year. So um, for her having that extra year has been really nice to, to see her start to bloom into the pitcher, blossom into the pitcher that we've we've known that she could be. So um, those are the four that have thrown the bulk of the innings for us. It's and it's both. You have two pitchers with with five saves as well. Do you mix and match a lot? You know, kind of like what baseball does during games. Yeah, we not all the time, but with having the left hander on our staff, Alexis, she's been coming in and closing out games, and and she's really just started to own that role. Um, and then we've had Meg come in and and close out some games as well when we're in a tight spot, just because she's so consistent and she gets a lot of strikeouts for us. So she's been um, somebody that that has gone in and. Um, and close out games as well. Have you been pleased uh, defensively? Absolutely, yeah. Our defense has really um, they we've had good defense all year, but late in the playoffs is when the the defense really started to come alive. We've had some really big plays from our right fielder Sophia Recrozio, um, and just some really solid defense all around from from our infield and outfield. It's been a while uh, since the Grips have been. Uh, to a regional, and that's a, 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 mm-hmm. a testament to you and what these kids have done. They they must be super pumped to play. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, for them, this is their first experience with a regional. Um, I was lucky enough to go in 2008 and 2009. I was an assistant on the staff here when we went, um, and I've been telling them about the experience for years, and, and I've wanted it so bad for them because I know how fun of an experience it is. So they're they're all amped up. We're actually we're at our senior luncheon right now, so I just excused myself from the senior luncheon for a few minutes, but um, there we're all sitting at the table together, just talking with other coaches and other athletes, talking about how excited we are to get down to Florida, to play in a big venue, to play against great teams, um, and to really just show everybody what we're capable of. Kim, let me ask this: Sometimes, you know, at the beginning of a year, you look at your club and your team, and you can say, "Gee, I think we're going to be pretty good." Did you get that feeling at the beginning of the year? Yes, I think we knew. Um, we ended the season last year losing in the championship game of the MAC tournament, and we lost some really key players in um, off from that squad. We lost our second baseman, Kara Paradowski. She had 40 steals for us on the year. We lost our center fielder, Sue V. She also had a, a, a great defensive year and a ton of steals. And Morgan Altman, um, another a big bat for us, a big RBI producer, and um, a big she had a lot of stolen bases as well. So we had over 100 stolen bases last year as well, and we lost. 70 of those to graduation. Mm. So we knew we had big shoes to fill, but we had people ready to step in that had been kind of waiting in the wings for a year or two to step into those roles. Um, and they've done a fantastic job. And um, the, the one that really, Sage Alfaro is a freshman this year, and she stepped in to, to fill the role that Kara Paradowski, the hole that Kara Paradowski left. And she's just done a phenomenal job, both offensively and defensively. So you know, we knew we knew that we could be good, um, but we had to take care of business. We had uh, ten freshmen. We have got ten freshmen on the team this year, so wow. we had to do a lot of teaching. Um, we had to get them on board with 
our standards and um, just the way that we do things and get them bought in. And once that happened, once they all started buying in, then we started to roll a little bit. And it was fun to watch and fun to be a part of it. I'm going to leave you with the most cliche question I could ask you, but it's pertinent. If thing, if you were to win this regional, what's got to go right for you? What do you have to do? So we have to make good adjustments to their pitching. They've got a staff of pitchers. It's not your typical, where, like a Montana Fouts at Alabama. You know, Florida doesn't necessarily have that pitcher right now, but they have a staff of pitchers that they can use against us. So we're going to need to be able to make adjustments to their pitching, whoever we see from their staff. Um, we're going to need to play solid defense. We're going to need to do all the little things really well, making sure we're hitting our cuts, making sure that we're communicating on the field. Um, and, and we've got to get a great game out of our pitching staff as well. Wish you luck and wish you a safe journey here. I'll go back to your, to your senior lunch, and that must be kind of cool to do. So <laughs> thanks for ducking out yeah. and talking to us, Kim. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy, happy to do it. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, go Griff. <laughs> all right. Thank you. And isn't it funny? Her name is Kim Griffin. And their nickname are the Griffs. Um, they're going to be here. And you heard them. 1227. Time check brought to you by Hayes Shillery, ESPN, 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WYUF. The flagship of the Florida Gators, ESPN, 98.1 FM, and 850 AM, WRUF. Who can you trust with your automobile these days? Hey, it's Steve Russell. As you drive around town, you'll see a lot of auto repair shop chain stores. Every time you go in there, there's a new person behind the counter with the same old song and dance, presenting you with a long list of expensive repairs. If you're tired of that type of treatment, do what I and thousands of families have done since 1975. Trust Dave Mays Automotive. Dave Mays Automotive is family-owned and operated, and you can tell because they treat their customers like family. No long list of surprises. In fact, their famous bug checks designed to prevent surprises. They do it all. They'll take care of your entire vehicle. Dave Mays Automotive is located at 2905 Northeast 19th Drive in the industrial complex behind Sunny's on Waldo Road. Trust Dave Mays Automotive. They'll get the bugs out. Dave Mays Automotive. We get the bugs. All of them bugs. May is here, and you know what that means. Gainesville Hurley-Davidson's annual Hog Roast. Saturday, May 21st, 12 to 4. Enjoy fresh off-the-pit mouth-watering pulled pork with all the fixings. The Big Engine Band, live on stage, vendors, prizes, and more. Proceeds benefit Children's Miracle Network, so help us help kids. Plus, get to Gainesville Hurley-Davidson during the month of May because free gas for a year has been extended. Get free gas for one year with every new bike purchase. Restrictions apply, no cash value. See dealer for details. GainesvilleHarley.com. The following is a commercial announcement. There's nothing like hearing the songs you love on local radio with no subscriptions and no monthly fees. There's a new bill in Congress that could stop the music. If passed, this bill would tax your local radio station simply to play the music you love. Text LOCAL to 52886 and ask Congress to support local radio stations. Help us keep you connected to the music, local news, weather, and traffic that you need each day. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. From the UF Weather Center, here is your WRUF weather update. 
Partly cloudy skies again today with hot high temperatures. They'll climb into the low 90s inland, the upper 80s along both coastlines. And just like yesterday, I'm expecting scattered thunderstorm activity to crop up, especially across interior North Florida. Locally heavy rainfall rates, a few damaging wind gusts are possible from the strongest storm cells. Most storms dying off before midnight. From the UF Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Megan Borowski. And now, the Dan Patrick Show. Dan Patrick. If I'm Philly, you might have to just look in the mirror and say, do we have the right coach and do we need to bring back James Harden? But when you don't score and you don't force the issue. Hot take. Yes. That's yeah. It. That's take. it. Uh-oh. Thank you. Here we go. All the firemen are running out. What's going on? There's hot takes next door. The Dan Patrick Show. Dan, the Danettes, and you. Weekday mornings at 9, right here on WRUF. From athlete activism to athletic achievements, we have you covered. Your home for every important sports story. ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF, the home of the Florida Gators. This is Gatorhead football coach Billy Napier, and you're listening to Sports Scene with Steve Russell, right here on ESPN 98.1 FM. 850 a.m. WRUF and anywhere in the world on the WRUF radio app. Tonight, Gator Baseball against FSU. The guy who's got the television call of the game tonight now joins us. He is Mr. Mike Morgan, Gator grad. He is. Mike, welcome. And, uh, Kind of an interesting uh, uh, matchup tonight here. You know, the, the rain makeup. FSU coming off a big weekend series win against Miami. Florida playing better here. And it's getting near the end, so every win counts. And these teams want to, you know, get some momentum going to the postseason. So this will be interesting tonight. Yeah, it's kind of what you want to have uh, this time of year, Steve. You, you want to have stuff on the line for all the games, not just the conference games, but a rivalry midweek game. You know, this kind of sells itself. I just had Auburn, Alabama. It's like we were talking about with that one. It sells itself in terms of what it means whenever these two teams meet each other. Same thing with Florida, Florida State, obviously. But when you can add, for example, Florida State is playing for a potential host in a regional. That's big. This is a resume builder. Florida is certainly starting to make a stronger case for things that they'd like to play for in the postseason in terms of seating and everything else. Because what we're learning is, and I, I can't stress this enough, when everybody talks so obsessively about RPI, our, our RPI is not going to be the final factor. If it was down to RPI, Florida would be in great shape for a lot of things. But conference record is going to trump RPI more times than not with a committee. Uh, but RPI in terms of out-of-conference games like this certainly does mean something. So plenty to play for for both squads. You know, you look at uh, what Florida has done, and, you know, we were talking earlier, Mike, that the pitching's come around a little bit. Those young arms are starting to figure it out. But I just don't know against quality pitching. I think the jury is still out because they're next to last in hitting in conference games. And, you know, you get to a regional, you would think that the competition's going to get better. I think that's Florida's biggest question mark. When you look at this team, what do you see? I see the same. I mean, I, I look at conference rankings like you do, and, and I see a whole lot of 12s and 11s yeah. in terms of out of 14 teams where they rank and batting average, on-base percentage. Now, the home runs are there. Uh, you know, that, that's 
that's great. Uh, and I think I think maybe that ballpark is playing a little more home run friendly than they, they thought at the start because Kevin O'Sullivan was telling us before I was doing the Miami series with Florida that he thought the new ballpark actually played larger than old McKeithen Stadium. But I, I don't know if that's necessarily bared out so far, but they're hitting bombs and, you know, guys like Judd Fabian and uh, Wyatt Langford are hitting bombs. But in the postseason, it's a real dangerous game when you rely on the long ball. And I, there, this is not a team that's manufacturing a ton of runs. It's not a team that, as I mentioned, has a, a great propensity to get on base against, as you pointed out, quality pitching. Well, what are we going to see in the postseason? Right. Quality pitching. So uh, you'd hate to see a Florida team that has some guys on it that are going to be high draft picks, has some really good young arms, even without Barco. You'd hate to see them lose a 3-2 to kind of game to get eliminated, and that's how your season ends because you weren't able to get good enough offense. And, And clearly that's been an issue this year. Mike Morgan, our guest here from the SEC Network, as uh, he's got the call, the television call tonight, Florida, Florida State. Let's look at the SEC, Mike. Mississippi State, I, I get it. They lost their Friday guy. But what's happened to them is, I mean, I don't think anybody would have thought that would happen. I mean, it, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? It, it is. Uh, I, I think I looked up a stat earlier this year. The last time a defending national champion did not make it to the NCAA tournament. I believe it was 2000, the the 2013 UCLA team failed to make it to the tournament the following year. Uh, And if I'm not mistaken, that team might've had either Cole or Bauer or both. So they were loaded on the mound and then they, they lost obviously first round draft pick type guys and they didn't make it back. This can't all be Landon Sims. I mean, there's still guys in that lineup that have been major producers for a while now. They still have other quality pitchers. I, I really think there's a little bit of psychological that's gone on there. I, I think, you know, when you when you get off to a rough start, which they did, and then you, you start to struggle and scuffle in conference play, which they have, the mental wear and tear on that and a 30-game nonstop, no-let-up, SEC slate, I think it's gotten to them a little bit. And and I think that they might be the most talented team to not make the College World Series in a long time if they fail to do it. And heck, right now, they might not make the SEC tournament. So it's really hard to figure. It's not as if they lost, you know, eight returning starters out of that lineup. there's There's some good quality players there, but the numbers are down almost across the board. And obviously the pitching, it's not just the fact that Sims is out. They've got a lot of guys that just have not been good. And so when you look at the ERA and the whip, it's like, whoa, is that really a Mississippi State stat? It it has been this year. I would just say it's part and parcel, Steve, to a a, a bizarro world season in the league (laughs) where (laughs) teams – a little Seinfeld reference for everybody out there – teams that have traditionally been great – have been vulnerable this year, whether it's Mississippi State, whether it's a Florida, a Vanderbilt, uh, Ole Miss. LSU has been – Ole Miss, certainly, although they're finally starting to yep. heat up. That, that was a big sweep against LSU. And then teams that we, you know, kind of ignored for a while, like Tennessee and Georgia and, you know, Auburn is playing really good baseball. Texas A&M didn't even make the SEC tournament last year. They are as hot as a firecracker. So what what was up is down. What was down is up, and 
Uh, It's been a very bizarre year overall. Let me leave you with this and, and see if you agree with me. Tennessee, okay, they were very good last year, and obviously, you know, they've had a good a good season last year, a good season this year. But the spotlight's been on them all year, Mike, all year. And now they go to postseason. Can they withstand that? Because it's been from day one the spotlight's been on them, and there's so much expected of them now. Do you buy that at all? Yeah, I, I mean, look, number one, they are legitimately loaded. They are as complete a team as I've seen in a while. And remember, I had Arkansas last year in the Super Regional. That was a team that a lot of people thought was unbeatable. They won the SEC. They won the SEC tournament. They didn't lose a series all year. They were number one for most of the season. And they lose in a game three at home in front of 13,000 fans at Baum Stadium. Yep, It can happen. My other favorite stat uh, for the water cooler is we, we've had this format of super regionals and national seeds since 1999. In 1999, Miami was the number one national seed. They went on to win the World Series. In 22 years since, the number one national seed has not won at all. If that's not a powerful number, I don't know what is. If I'm Tony Vitello, I'm telling my team that when we get ready to play in a regional or a super or whatever else, look, nothing is given to the number one team in America. We've been number one all year long. The statistics are just eye-popping good. Uh, But the last two decades ought to tell you that doesn't mean you're invincible. It's still baseball. It's not football. And all it takes is two out of three, a couple of bad games in the postseason, and you're done. So uh, Tennessee's terrific. But would would it shock me if they don't win at all? Not at all. Last thing, coach of the year in the league, Schlossnagel, or Vitello? Oh, that's tough. So this, <laughs> if, if, you, if you base it on the, the best overachiever, uh, then I think it's Schwarzenegger, right? Because I don't think people expected A&M to be fighting for the Western Division crown, which they certainly are, tied with Arkansas going into this weekend. And they started off slow, and I mentioned they didn't make the SEC tournament last year. All things in that direction say Schlossnagel. Vitello, it's hard for me as a human voter to not think of not just the job he's done this year, and I realize it's an annual award, but he took a moribund, irrelevant program for 15 years, takes them to Omaha last year, and now they're having a historically good season. If they finish up really strong, I know how the coaches do things. They just vote for whoever finishes first. That's in the coach's nature. How am I not going to vote for the guy who won the SEC? Uh, The media might be a little bit more torn on that. And the caveat I'd also throw in there, Tony Vitello might be the most hated coach in this league that we've seen in decades because he just rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And you know what? He doesn't care. He doesn't apologize for it. He doesn't care about it. Uh, But I think you could go either way on that depending on how you look at the award. Good stuff. Enjoy the call tonight. I'll see you at the, at the ballpark. Thanks, Mike. You got it, Steve. Take care. Mike Morgan, SEC Network. He has the television call tonight, Florida and Florida State. Um, all right. Now, for the rest of the day today, I hope you'll talk a little SEC slash college football because Chris Doring is in the house. Thanks for doing this, man. Oh, get, get, his, get his mic. 
Okay, there you go. Got me up? All right. Yeah, I'm happy to be in here with you. You and I have been talking about this for a while. And I actually like, you know, Mike's my guy. I like what Mike mentioned there about Tony Vitello rubbing people the wrong way, what he's been able to do with that program. Does it not remind you exactly of what Coach Spurrier did with us in the early 90s? Like, yes. I, I, I talked about this on our show the other day. We were disliked because we, we did things kind of the non-traditional way. We were running it up supposedly on other teams. Uh, we had a brash coach that talked about uh, you know the the rivals and and threw digs at them. Like it makes it fun. Like I love having Tony Vitello in this conference, whether you love him or hate him. He's definitely creating some in- interest in watching that program. And when they came to town here, people went out to watch because they wanted to to boo Tony Vitello in his fall. So I, I just think it's a lot of very similar parallels to what we went through with Coach Spurrier here in the early '90s to what we're experiencing with uh, Tony Vitello there in Knoxville. And they both won. Yeah. I mean, he, you can't deny what he's done at Tennessee. And, and to Mike's point, they were bad for a long time. But how did, he, how did he do it? The same way he got his players to believe the confidence that the coach has bleeds over to the players themselves, and they take on that swag that their head coach has. I, I, I love being a part of it from a firsthand experience, and I love watching it now with Tony Vitello's team. All right. Uh, when we get back, we'll open the phone lines for you. So Chris is here to answer questions. College football, SEC. Well, we have so much to talk about. He's here for the show. So buckle up, sit back, and enjoy him. ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. Gainesville Sports Center. Here's what's trending now on ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. Good afternoon. I'm Jensen Young. The Gator baseball team starts their final week of the regular season tonight with a game against FSU. You can tune in for coverage of that game right here at 6.55. The Miami Heat start the Eastern Conference Finals tonight against the Boston Celtics after beating the 76ers in the second round. Game 1 will be in Miami. The Tampa Bay Rays continue their three-game series against the Detroit Tigers tonight. Last night, former Gator pitcher Alex Fiedo pitched for the Tigers, giving up just one run. Staying in Tampa, the Lightning begin their second round series of the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight. They take on the Florida Panthers, who are coming off their first playoff series victory since 1996. That's your Gainesville Sports Center. I'm Jensen Young. ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. Don't go through another summer with that awful joint pain. Call QC Kinetics now. That pain in your back, your knees, your shoulder, it can now be treated with the latest in precision medicine using natural biologics, growth factors that can restore and repair damaged tissue. Really exciting stuff here. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine, giving you access right here to this modern day joint pain solution. You can get lasting joint pain relief with no drugs, no steroids, no downtime, and no surgery. You've heard Emmett Smith raving about QC Kinetics. You've read or seen other high-profile people talking about it. Regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can help you get your life back. Take action now. Get a free consultation. Powerful, effective joint pain treatments with natural biologics are here. Call the local medical professionals at QC Kinetics now. Now with offices in Ocala and the Villages, 352-400-4550. That's 352-400-4550. Just three words tell you everything you need to know. They tell you why we employ more than 2,000 workers at our factory in Virginia Beach, and why over 10,000 local steel dealers are putting battery power in the hands of Americans. Just three words, made in America. Real steel, find yours at steelusa.com. 
The majority of steel products sold in America are made in America of U.S. and foreign materials. Batteries and chargers are sourced internationally. Patriots, if you love this country, then be at Rock the Red. Rock the Red. It's a rockin' all-day rally with Eric Trump on stage in Ocala and on the big screen, the bombshell movie 2,000 Mules by Dinesh D'Souza. Rock the Red is Saturday, June 11th at the Southeastern Livestock Pavilion. See Eric Trump, Roger Stone, Patrick Byrne, Joe Flynn, and more. Get your tickets and VIP up-close experiences now. Go to rocktheredflorida.com. Rocktheredflorida.com. Paid for by Rock the Red Florida. Hi, this is Dr. Art Mowry of Exceptional Dentistry. Listen to what our clients have to say about their experience at Exceptional Dentistry. Oh, they're just nice people. It's not a bad, bad trip to the dentist like it was when I was younger. You know, that was a horrible thing. And, and now it's, it's, you go in and there are nice people there. They talk to you. They don't hurt you. <laughs> this is fairly important to me. Yeah. Well, and you look forward to coming here. It's not yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm going to the dentist. It's okay, we're going in to see everybody exceptional dentistry. It sounds silly, but it makes a difference in the way you look and feel about things. So it's not just coming to the dentist. It's we being... come see our friends. Exactly. They're the best. That's it. This is Dr. Kim Mowry, and if you think you have dental problems that are too big to overcome, we're here for you. Please visit us at ExceptionalDentistry.com. That's ExceptionalDentistry.com. From the diamond to the dugout, we are your home for Florida Gator baseball. We are ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF, the home of the Florida Gators. And now, more sports scene with Steve Russell here on ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF, and online at WRUF.com. All right, Michael, our producer, hopefully we'll make him busy by talking to Chris. Phone lines are open, email open, talk Gator football, SEC football, college football, a lot of things to talk to him about, but he's here to answer your questions 392-8255. Chris, I want to start sort of the, the 50,000-foot view down here. You want to stir up the phone lines? You want to talk NIL and transfer portal yeah. eligibility? Like that, That'll pretty much do it, That's right? where I was going to start, <laughs> exactly. Because, look, I don't know anybody that three, four, five years ago could have predicted yeah. this. Yeah. It's just nuts. Well, it, it's, a, it's, it's a result of completely putting your head in the sand, right? If the NCAA would have had any sort of forethought, they could have come up with some some ways to give in on some of this to where it didn't end up going to the politicians and to the courts and everything else. I, I just think their their ignorance and their stubbornness has led to what we have now, and it's basically taking your hand off the steering wheel completely where everything goes. And um, I, I just I hate it doesn't it doesn't resemble at all what I played in. It doesn't resemble what guys five years ago played in and I, I'm just uh, I'm fearful for it I, I I don't like people referring to this as NIL NIL is taking advantage of who you are what you've created your name and, and being able to to make some money off of jersey sales or being able to do some some commercials here for a local business it's not it's not signing bonuses it's not recruiting inducements it's not the things that we're seeing with tampering within rosters that that to me is what really makes me the most nervous about what we're going through it and, and Steve Sometimes when you like, I got a chance to do something here at Florida that not a lot of the other student body members were able to do. That was 
work out in the in the in the facility down there, run out of that tunnel and play on Saturdays, catch touchdown passes from a Heisman Trophy winner. Sometimes when you do those things, you have to sacrifice other things. And so for me, it's hey, it's an opt-in. If you want to play college football, here's what you're allowed to do, and here's what you're not allowed to do. If you want to go do something else and make money like the rest of the student body does, then you can go be a part of that. But in order to basically be a part of what's a training ground now for the NFL, then you have to be able to be willing to give up some of the rights that the rest of the general population has. Yeah. All right, let's get some calls. Uh, We'll start with William. William, hello. Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. Hey, Hey. William. Hey, um, don't know if you remember me, Chris, but anyway, I I, uh, worked for you for a little while, and um, actually uh, back when you were still playing – um with Pittsburgh who choked around a little bit and I think Terrell Owens was big back then and and uh, I started calling you CD <laughs> <laughs> are you taking you taking credit for that now that like that's the only thing that I'm referring even coach Spurrier Steve calls me CD now Does he? after watching uh the SEC yeah. network stuff yeah. and all but uh William might have been on the uh, on the forefront of that yeah I I don't know man I, I you know I know that's been a while ago um but anyway um uh, a couple questions for you. Um, one, as far as the facilities and all the upgrades and all that stuff, that um, I mean, I know initially you were a walk-on, but how much difference would that have made to you um, had that been the case back then and had all these facilities been available? Yeah, I, I don't know that I'm a fair one to ask the question to, Steve. You know, my, my story much different having grown up here in Gainesville. The only place I wanted to play was here for the Gators. And so that was a different uh, dynamic than I think the majority of the kids coming out even then and certainly much different now. Uh, did I enjoy the, the facilities and the, the benefits that we had? For sure. I, at that point in time, it wasn't a big deal, though. Steve, you remember in the in the early to mid-90s, we had really great facilities. It was, it was more about, you know, the the ballpark that you played in on Saturdays, and there was nobody that had the the atmosphere that we had here in the swamp. And so, I think it was after I was gone that it became this arms race in terms of facilities and and having, you know, every every uh, every little bell and whistle you could possibly have. But I think that honestly has been put on the back burner too at this point in time. Obviously, you want to take away any of the variables when it comes to recruiting, but the, the NIL stuff right now is, is really driving the engine. Yeah. That's, and a uh, second question for you. Um, how much different, I mean, I know back in, when you made the catch against Kentucky in 93 until um, you graduated, I mean, the team just got steadily better. And then obviously 96, we won the national championship, et cetera. So how, as far as building the program now, do you see a big difference, you know, versus then as to now how much it would take, or do you think it's still yeah. a similar situation? I think it was very difficult for us, William, because it had never been done at Florida before. And so Coach Stoops in Kentucky talked a lot about expanding capacity, being able to to do things you'd never done before. Um, creating higher levels of expectation. And, and Coach Burrier came in and immediately got us to believe that we were win- w- w- capable and worthy of winning championships. Uh, but until you do it, it it's still just kind of hypothetical. And I think that's why I love, Steve, going back to look at what we did, you know, going to the, 
going to the Sugar Bowl, actually, you know, going to the Sugar Bowl in 91 and getting blown out by Notre Dame to figure out how to handle going to New Orleans to, to be a part of that game uh, and then doing better the next time we went there and, and played against West Virginia. Losing in the SEC championship game in 92 the way we did, which drove us to win in 93, 94, 95, and then the team the year after I left in 96. I think you have to have those failures in order to, to get there and understand what it takes to be successful to get over that, that hurdle. And I think this team right now, that's why you see Coach Napier trying to bring back so many of us you know, guys from the past is that we can talk about the things that we were able to do here, uh, and it's not hypothetical the way that it was when Coach Spurrier was kind of selling that dream. William, appreciate your call. Thank you, sir. Let's bring uh, George in. Hi, George. Hey, guys. How are you? Good, hey, George. Hey, Chris, I know you hear this all the time, but I was actually in Lexington back in your uh, – <laughs> Doring's got a touchdown. Yeah, there were so seven I, million people in that stadium that night, yes. I know, I get it. But uh, I was hugging people, and men, including men that I'd never known before, so it was a special moment for me, I'll tell you. Hey, I, I was uh, I live in Atlanta, and I just thought I'd share something with you guys. You know, Coach Napier was uh, at the Atlanta Gator Club last night, and I was able to go with my son. And one of the things he brought up when we're talking about the NIL – is he said, you know, if you in, if you take the NIL separate and then you take, uh, you know, the portal separate, it's two different things. When you put them together, he goes, that's where, you know, it, there's an issue. But he brought up something I thought was very, uh, I don't know, maybe all the schools are doing this, but I hadn't ever thought about is like, he says, long term, we're looking at this NIL deal as how can we best, you know, uh, treat the athlete? And he says, you know, they're, they're looking at ways of setting up you know, tax appropriations, where if they get this, they set it up in taxes and charitable donations. And it looked to me, it sounded to me like Coach Napier, as he has done with everything and looking at such so much detail, that he's setting this up to be a long-term, really solid, beneficial program for the athletes. And it's like, we got some catching up to do, he kind of admitted, and, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But I thought it was interesting that the way they're going about this is setting up a structure to really encompass this and tackle this NIL so that it really benefits the athlete in more ways than just throwing money at them. I don't know. what is that common throughout the, you know, athletics or are we a little bit unique in that? Well, first and foremost, it's not surprising to me. And Steve, I think you would probably agree the level of detail and involvement in every aspect of the program that Billy Napier has here is amazing. And, and, and I'm going to go into kind of what I, I learned from, from having been around him during the spring, calling the Orange and Blue game, our production meeting the day before. I was sitting with him at the table, and we, we got into talking about the number of hires that he's brought on. Um, he pulled out a sheet like this. I, I, my, this is my call board from the spring game, but he had the equivalent of this, and it was almost a depth chart of everybody that they've hired, what their responsibilities are, who they report to, all the way down to the pilots that fly the, the jets. Like the the level of, of detail is amazing. And I asked him about this, where this all came about. And he talked about during the pandemic, he spent his time knowing he was going to get an opportunity eventually at a power five job. He wanted to have every I dotted and every T crossed and really had thought out exactly what he needed in order to be successful at one of these Power 5 programs. I give Scott Strickland a lot of credit, too, for buying into that. He said, uh, Coach Napier said, I, I had everybody else's salaries agreed to before my own and just willingness to open up the, the pocketbook and, and pay for these things that, that Coach Napier 
uh, believes he needs to be successful uh, is, is something that's a credit to Scott Strickland and to the UAA in general. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really impressive stuff. I think everybody it was a sold out event, and uh, it was really, really neat. Hey, I have a, a really quick question for you. Gotta guys be quick. Go ahead. About. We're top yep. of the area. Uh, it, baseball and softball, football and basketball, game day. Who do you think? Which which sport do you think the coach is most important on game day? And then I'll uh, hang up and let you Ooh. guys go to break. Wow. Okay. Thanks. That's, That's tough. Great. How much time we got here? Steve? Yeah. Ooh. I, I I would say. I mean, to me, it, it's still football um, just because, especially in my, my experience, having played for Coach Spurrier, who was not only the head coach but the, the, the guy calling the ball plays too, and uh, just what they can do in, in terms of, of uh, getting you ready, feeling prepared, and then the confidence that they can give you when things go wrong on the sidelines. Um, baseball, to me, is a very passive. You know, you, you fill the lineup card in, you make some pitching change, you make some – some some pinch hitting decisions, but I'd say probably between football and, and basketball, and I'd give the edge to football maybe, but that's just my own personal thoughts. That's a great question, though, because <laughs> I mean you can make a case for all of them. Yeah, right. I mean in basketball, if you've got a game plan that you had, and all of a sudden that game plan goes out the window. Yeah. Well, now you got to do something else. Yeah. Or more about how you substitute too. Exactly. How you, how you keep guys fresh for later. How you manage a, f- a guy that has four fouls. You know, in the early second half, yeah. and there's a lot that goes into those decisions too. And in baseball and softball, I mean, like if you're Sully, right, you're calling pitches. Yeah, so that's that, true. That's important in terms of, but you know, you can't control what the pitcher does. Yeah. So no offense a, to Sully and to uh, T Dub there, I didn't mean to uh, downgrade what their importance no, is on game day. No, but I mean, it's <laughs> you know, I, I, you can make a case, I think, for for anything like that, and that's a great question. Chris will be here the entire second hour. So call us up, talk some college football, talk some SEC football. Lots I want to ask him, but we want to hear from you. That's why he's here, and we appreciate his time. And also, thanks to all the coaches in the first hour, Mike Morgan from the SEC Network, too, and thanks to the softball coach at Canisius, softball coach at Georgia Tech. They'll be here this weekend for the regional. Hour 2 coming up, ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF. Gainesville, U251CG, Gainesville. From the Spurrier's Gridiron Grill Studios, we are ESPN 981 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. Who can you trust with your automobile these days? Hey, it's Steve Russell. As you drive around town, you'll see a lot of auto repair shop chain stores. Every time you go in there, there's a new person behind the counter with the same old song and dance, presenting you with a long list of expensive repairs. If you're tired of that type of treatment, do what I and thousands of families have done since 1975. Trust Dave Mays Automotive. Dave Mays Automotive is family-owned and operated, and you can tell because they treat their customers like family. No long list of surprises. In fact, their famous bug checks designed to prevent surprises. They do it all. They'll take care of your entire vehicle. Dave Mays Automotive is located at 2905 Northeast 19th Drive in the industrial complex behind Sunny's on Waldo Road. Trust Dave Mays Automotive. They'll get the bugs out. Dave Mays Automotive. We get the bugs. All of them bugs. 
Hey, sports fans, spring sports season is here. Basketball, baseball, softball, track and field, and the spring football game. Boy, am I excited. Well, now is the time to prune your trees and start preparing for those nasty summer storms. Don't wait until it's too late. Call Daughtry Tree Service today for your free evaluation. 352-472-2465. That's 352-472-2465. Or check us out online at Daughtry Tree Service. We believe a job worth doing is worth doing right. And now a message from Discover about customer service and common sense. When you have credit card questions, it's nice to have them answered by a real live person. You know, a human being who's actually understanding your issues and works to resolve them. Someone with a knack for helping others and has a pulse. In other words, what you don't need is a robot. And that's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. It's live customer service. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Everyone in golf says they're number one at something. But when Odyssey says they're the number one putter on tour, uh, I don't think anybody can argue. Odyssey, the number one putter on every major tour in 2021. Number one in worldwide wins. At the last 37 major championships across PGA, LPGA, and Champions Tours, not only did more pros play an Odyssey putter in those majors, but more pros won more majors in 2021 with an Odyssey. See what makes Odyssey the number one putter on tour at odysseygolf.com welcome to sports scene with steve russell let's talk some sports and have some lunch on espn 98 1 fm and 8 50 a.m wruf Chris and I were just talking off air here. Welcome to Hour 2 of Sports Scene, and uh, we thank you for making us part of your busy day. Thank you very much for doing that. Uh, Chris Doring from the SEC Network is here. He'll be here for the balance of the hour. So if you want to talk some football, now is the time. 392-8255. You can email srussell at wruf.com. Chris, a couple things I wanted to ask. When you look at the SEC and I'm anxious to see what the league is going to do on two fronts when Oklahoma and Texas get here. Top one. There you go. Number Sorry. one. Now you cannot have conference championships any, or conference or uh, divisions. I'm sorry. Will the SEC go for that? Yeah. Will they take away divisions? Yeah. I'm anxious to see what they do there. And then the second thing, when Oklahoma and Texas come here, is it pods? What's that going to look yeah. like? That fascinates me. The old mantra, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, certainly applies to the way the SEC has de- decided their, their, their football championship. Um, you know, We were the ones in 92 that developed this whole division and, and championship game and uh, perfected it when we got to Atlanta in 94, just took it to another level. Everybody's tried to duplicate it, but never nobody's had the success that, that we've had in the SEC. So... I think it scares me a little bit to lose a little bit of the tradition. I think that's what makes the SEC so great is, is the based in tradition. The times are changing, certainly, with, with Oklahoma and Texas coming in. We've already had Missouri and, and A&M you know, acclimate to the conference. Even 92 when Arkansas uh, and South Carolina joined, it, it, it changed the dynamic. But it just feels a lot different to me now with Oklahoma and Texas coming. And the push to have more – teams playing other divi- across division opponents has been something I think that is, is got to be addressed. 
And so I do believe you'll see a change in the way that um, the, 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 the teams that play in the conference championship are decided. I do think we'll see pods. And I do think that we'll see a nine-game conference schedule too, which is I, I believe is certainly necessary. How important is it to an athlete, Chris, I think it's pretty cool if you can say to a kid coming to the SEC, look, if you stay here four years, you play everybody yeah. home and away. That's a pretty good incentive. I, I think so. To me, it certainly would have been. I never got a chance to play in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. I never had a regular season game against Alabama. The only time we played them was in the SEC title games that we met up. Um, so getting a chance to go to all the all the venues in the conference, I think, is, is uh, an experience that most student-athletes probably want to be a part of. I think you have to do it for the fans as well. I mean, look at what's happened with some of the, the, the games that have taken place in recent years between teams that haven't played each other much and the interest to go on the road. Remember back when I was here in the 90s, Florida fans went on the road as well as anybody, and, and that just doesn't occur anymore. I know things have changed a little bit, even to the point where we have a hard time filling up the swamp the way that we used to. So you have to give them reasons uh, to come out and and scheduling more difficult opponents, scheduling more SEC games is important. I think fans are going to want to go to Oklahoma. They're going to want to go to Texas. And those are opportunities that I, I think the fans deserve, not trying to, to, to sell them on these FCS and group, group of five opponents. Uh, th- those games, especially the FCS games, have to go away. I think they have to be – I would love to see them played in the spring as a way to have a more competitive spring game. Uh, and I think that's a way to keep them – uh, uh, able to get the checks that they need to survive while at the same time not taking advantage of, of the fans having them pay full price to come to games that really don't even matter. Let me ask about something that's always intrigued me too, Chris, in that the te- Kirk Herbstreet said this on a podcast, I think on McAfee's podcast, because I think this is coming. There's going to be unionization, I think. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, I think these kids are going to say, look at the TV deal you're signing. We want some mm-hmm. of that money. I think that's coming. Do you? Oh, I, I certainly think it's coming. I certainly think that's needed. Um, I had an opportunity to to uh, go to Birmingham a couple weeks ago with Coach Spurrier and, and Shane Matthews as, as Coach was receiving the Nick Saban Legacy Award. We got into talking about NIL stuff and, and talked about – I made the comment that it's, it's coming more and more like the NFL. He said, no, it's not. The NFL has a salary cap at least. This is completely unregulated what we're dealing with right now. I think you're going to eventually see some sort of, of salary cap, some sort of, of um, uh, contract where the, the student athlete agrees to play at a school for a certain period of time. And, and I think that there are those types of, of uh, regulations that are coming. And I do think there's going to be some revenue sharing given the amount of these contracts that are being signed these days. All right. By the way, question. Let's, let's go. Chris is here. Talk to him. I got some emails I'll get to in a second. Okay. But 392-8255. The other thing I want to explore with you is exactly where you think Florida football is now in the hierarchy of the league, Chris. There's no question Mark Stoops has done a really nice job at Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, I, I see Will Levis as a first-rounder. I mean, I saw somebody have him as the number one overall pick, which yeah, I thought like, was crazy. Whoa, yeah. I love Will Levis, and I'm not speaking down, but let's remember that Bryce Young and Will Anderson are both going to be eligible for the next year's draft as well. Yeah. So, and, and I think Tennessee is better. But where do you see Florida now, and how difficult of a climb do you think it's going to be for Napier to get back to where Florida has been? 
it's funny because we, we talk about it, it sounds like we're talking about Florida having been out in this desert wandering around. They were in the SEC championship two seasons ago. Yep. You know, the, the precipitous drop off was one that I, I don't know that I've ever seen before. But I do think there's a long way to go. I think Coach Napier admits that there's a long way to go. But I think Florida has the ability to close that gap faster than anybody else in the SEC. One, because of, of where we're located, the athletes that are in the state of Florida. The number one goal has to be to lock down the talent in the state. You've seen Florida State, Miami, and Florida all suffer from not keeping that talent at home. Clemson, Alabama, Georgia coming in and mining the best players and taking them out of our state has got to stop. Um, secondly, the, the, the resources that, that Florida has as the flagship university of the state of Florida and, and the commitment from the boosters with the NIL rules the way they are right now, I think that can change the dynamic really quickly when you're seeing a team like Jackson State sign the number one overall recruit and, and another four-star guy that shows what, what NIL is capable of doing. So that's, a, that's another aspect that I think. But you've seen the rise of those teams you mentioned. Not only if you looked at the recruiting rankings in the East, not only Georgia was ahead of Florida, Kentucky was ahead of Florida, uh, Missouri was ahead of Florida. Eli Drinkwitz is doing a great job out there. So I, I think it's, it, it, there's never been a more competitive time in this conference to have to make a move given what you've seen in the elevation of the East. And certainly the West, that, that may be the most difficult dis, uh, division in the history of college football this year with how good all of those teams on that side are. Yeah, who would you say would be last? I mean, I could make the argument. FPI said that Auburn was in the top ten. I'm not sure that I would believe that Auburn's not amongst the, the teams that you have to discuss being at the bottom right now. But look at the elevation of, of Ole Miss's program under Lane Kiffin winning ten games going to the Sugar Bowl. Mike Leach has maybe one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the conference in Will Rogers next year, and you finally get some traction with that offense, complementing what's a really good defense. Sam Pittman has, has created uh, uh, way more success in the first two years than I could have ever imagined being. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't I – don't, I, maybe, maybe Auburn being at the bottom, but uh, I think every time we've, we've kind of looked down at Auburn, they, they usually have one of those years that surprises you. It's, it's the years that you think Auburn's going to be good that they let you down. Ben emailed, and I was waiting for this, he said, uh, he said, Chris, thanks for what you do. And then he said, assess. He's, his point was, Anthony Richards has been in some mock drafts yeah. as a first-round guy. Emory, Johnson, uh, Emory Jones was a first-round pick in some of the mock drafts last year, right? So mock drafts, are they're great for you and I, right? Summertime radio, we can talk about this all day long. Uh, I, I think Anthony Richardson has the skill set. What we need to see are two things, consistency. He can make the great throws, the great plays, and then come back and, and, and miss one or, or make a bad decision and, and hurt the team with some interceptions that you just can't have. And two, the, the staying healthy factor. I mean, we haven't seen him be able to, to play for an entire season. He has little things that, that seem to, to, uh, to keep him off the field. So can he have a little bit more durability? Those are the things that I think are going to determine, one, how good Florida's season is, two, if he even goes into the draft, because if he if he does have the successful season we think he can have, he's got every other measurable that would lead you to believe that he could be a first-round pick. When you watched the spring game, you were there. Yeah. And I watched some tape on Napier's team last year with the quarterback they had last year who was a dual-threat guy. Mm -hmm. And it looked like, simple's the wrong word, Chris, but I can't think of a better one. It, it didn't... 
looked like he had to do a lot of re. It just seemed very easy, quarterback friendly, is what I'm saying. Did you see that too? I did see that too, and I think that should be the goal for any offense: is is let's let players play fast. You know, let's let players play to the level of their athletic capabilities. Um, I've been in offenses before where you're not able to play fast because you're thinking about this and that, what read I'm supposed to be making, what am I supposed to be looking at. If you can simplify things and allow athletic ability like Anthony Richardson has to just take hold of the game, uh, I think that, that should be the goal. And I think um, you know this is a guy in Billy Napier that understands how to coach the quarterbacks. He's involved on a daily basis every day with those quarterbacks. You know, I, I know they had some tough days towards the end of, of that 15-day spring practice run, but uh, I think if you talk to them, they feel like they made some significant ground in terms of the installation of the offense and the understanding of the quarterbacks of what they're supposed to do to execute that offense. All right, Chris Doring's in the house. Folks, it's, it's your chance to talk SEC football, college football with Chris, and we'll do that after we pay some bills. 114, Chime Check brought to you by Hayes Jewelry ESPN, 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF. Gainesville Sports Center, here's what's trending now on ESPN, 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF. Good afternoon, I'm Jensen Young. The Gator baseball team starts their final week of the regular season tonight with a game against FSU. You can tune in for coverage of that game right here at 6.55. The Miami Heat start the Eastern Conference Finals tonight against the Boston Celtics after beating the 76ers in the second round. Game 1 will be in Miami. The Tampa Bay Rays continue their three-game series against the Detroit Tigers tonight. Last night, former Gator pitcher Alex Fajardo pitched for the Tigers, giving up just one run. Staying in Tampa, the Lightning begin their second-round series of the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight. They take on the Florida Panthers, who are coming off their first playoff series victory since 1996. That's your Gainesville Sports Center. I'm Jensen Young. ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF. May is here, and you know what that means. Gainesville Harley-Davidson's annual Hog Roast. Saturday, May 21st, 12 to 4. Enjoy fresh off the pit, mouth-watering pulled pork with all the fixings. The Big Engine Band, live on stage, vendors, prizes, and more. Proceeds benefit Children's Miracle Network, so help us help kids. Plus, get to Gainesville Harley-Davidson during the month of May because free gas for a year has been extended. Get free gas for one year with every new bike purchase. Restrictions apply, no cash value. See dealer for details. GainesvilleHarley.com. From printing and faxing to mailboxing and notarizing, the UPS store has just the ing you need. With a wide range of products and small business services, the UPS store offers every ing for small businesses, all in one place. Veterans, whatever you're going through, don't wait. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. What do I love about the water? Reeling in a good catch. Oh yeah, that's a keeper. Teaching the kids to swim in the lake, then pushing them on a rope swing over the creek. And watching the sunset with the family out on the boat. In our life jackets, of course. Discover the joy of being on the water safely. Life jackets save lives. Wear it, Florida. This message is brought to you by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. Visit myfwc.com for tips on how to keep you and your family safe on the water. People who suffer from long-term chronic joint pain spend so much of their time acting, putting up a carefree front. 
It's exhausting. I was really tired of trying to act like I wasn't in pain because I was in pain all the time. Rick Rawlings didn't want everyone else to know that he was coping with agonizing shoulder pain 24-7. Yes, I had to put on a face (laughs) to cover up my pain. But then Rick found QC Kinetics, offering new lasting treatments for joint pain using natural biologics. Treatments designed to restore and repair joint tissue with no drugs, no surgery, no downtime. The results were amazing. I am... Very glad. It changed my life doing the QC Kinetics. Today, my shoulders feel wonderful. The cranky Rick is gone. He's not grouchy anymore. No more acting. (laughs) Feel like yourself again with a call to QC Kinetics. Call QC Kinetics, 352-400-4550. That's 352-400-4550. QC Kinetics, 352-400-4550. Follow ESPN Gainesville on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay up to date with the latest information, interviews, stories, contests, and events. We are 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF, the home of the Florida Gators. Sports Scene with Steve Russell continues here on ESPN, 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF. And on your phone with the WRUF radio app. Welcome back to Sports Scene. Let's get a call for Chris. Tony, welcome. Hey, guys. What's up, Chris? What's going on, buddy? It's hey, Tony. talking to you, man. Yeah, good catching Chris, up, man. I, good, man. Before I get to my football question, and I promise it's not going to be about NIL, let me ask you a quick question. Uh, throw you way back about 26 years ago. I was standing, like, right next to you when uh, Danny threw the pass to you. Not the football one, the Olympic torch. Oh, yeah. Remember that? That was one of my favorite experiences of, of my life man getting a chance to not only get the the torch passed from from danny but being the one to light the cauldron up on stage too steve it, it and and the cool thing about this a little little behind the scenes um as everybody was passing the torch they would take the torch and empty out the gas and you could take the torch and keep the torch well because i lit the cauldron they never emptied out the gas so <laughs> after that in the apartments man we'd have a few beers light the olympic torch run around the apartment a little bit it was it was great man <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the type of answer uh, that I wanted, man, because uh, I thought that was real cool, and I figured that no one's asked you that question in quite a while probably. No. Uh, Chris, football question, man. Looking at this season, all right, there's a couple teams that I look at, and I'm looking at their roster, looking at what they've lost and what's coming back, and, I, and I'm thinking they're getting extremely overrated. One's Tennessee, one's Texas A&M. A&M, yeah, we all know that they paid about $30 million for that recruiting class. But the, all the talent that they've lost, okay, to the NFL draft, and if you look at that recruiting class, a lot of those kids, they're all going to be true freshmen, okay? This is, this is the SEC. A lot of them are going to be assuming backup roles. So that tells you a little bit about the depth that they had there at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And then you throw in Tennessee, and if you take Josh Heupel out of that equation, Tennessee has been considered, based on that roster, as the worst team in the SEC. If you take Josh Heupel out of that equation, what do you think about those two teams, Chris? I would agree with you. I think Texas A&M is a little bit overhyped. I think it's a a lot of potential talk. I think they still have questions at the most important position in football, and that's at the quarterback spot. Uh, The spring game obviously was played in poor weather there with the wind and everything else, but they... They did not look very good on offense. They didn't look very good throwing the football. I was surprised last year, Steve. I don't know how much you watch of A&M, but they, their receivers 
do not separate very well at all. You know, it's it's tough sledding for their quarterback anyway, but um, you know, not being able to to have guys get open very easily makes it difficult. So I don't know how much better they're going to be there. I do agree that the A and M's a little bit overhyped. I'm actually kind of bullish on on Tennessee though. I, I Josh Heupel, you know, Steve, we we did the uh, Steve Spurrier first year coach of the year award that we were fortunate enough to have both uh, Heupel and Beamer uh, come to town to to receive as as co recipients. And um, man, I, I I probably undervalued what I thought Josh Heupel was going to mean to that program. I thought he did a tremendous job last year um, finding Hinden Hooker and uh, um, knowing when to to pull the trigger to move on uh, from their starter to him and and how he's been able to run with that that offense. Um, I actually I, I think more highly of Tennessee, but I would agree that he was able to do more with less. Whereas I think you could probably say. A&M has done less with more. Yep. All right, Chris. Take it easy. All right. Thanks, man. Tony, thank you. Mark says, easy to reminisce about the great wins during your career, but I want to do something different. Mm -hmm. Take me back to the Fiesta Bowl during Nebraska and tell me at what point during the game or even before the kickoff did you think to yourself, man, we might be in trouble. It's funny, man. I literally had this conversation with Coach Spurrier the other day. I, I, I asked him what his most disappointing loss was ever and and he mentioned that that 2001 Tennessee game that was a really good Florida team uh I hated that because Tennessee always said man if we played you at the end of the season we're always better we'd beat you guys and we were like blowing that off and they actually moved at the end and beat us but I I think that uh that Fiesta Bowl game would probably be high on the list for him and for me that was a storybook. That was my senior season, Steve, right? The, everything that could have possibly gone our way, my way personally, went our way. You know, I, I, I end up uh, setting the, the career and single-season record for that year in touchdown receptions. We're undefeated. Uh, we win the SEC championship. We go to watch um, tape on, on Nebraska. And Washington State, that was a tape we watched over and over again. Washington State was throwing the ball up and down the field against them, and we really felt confident that we were going to be able to move the ball as we had all year long. And if you go back and remember that first drive, we went right down the field, Steve, but the thing that we didn't do in that game that we did in every other game was score a touchdown on the first drive. We had to kick a field goal, and that was a little bit out of what our our normal M.O. was. And then the injury to Jacquez Green, I think, took a lot of the, the wind out of our sails, watching him for 30 minutes writhing in pain, screaming in front of us on the, the ground after he had dislocated his hip was difficult. But let's be honest, the game plan that they had was what the difference was. Monty Kiffin had been associated with Nebraska previously. The Nebraska staff dealt with, with, with Monty Kiffin when, when he was at the NFL level to try to gain some, some game plan and schemes. That was the dawn of the zone blitz. We had never seen the zone blitz before. As you remember, the offense that we were a part of in Coach Spurrier's era was quarterback recognizes them bringing more than you could protect and getting to a three-step and getting it out of his hand to the receiver. Well, when they're overloading protection and they're, they're playing zone coverage behind it, you're not getting those tells that you typically were able to see. And, and a great illustration of that was that, that drive. I think we went five wide down inside our 10-yard line and got sacked a couple times. Danny gets sacked for a safety, I believe, and, and it just was the, the ultimate snowball effect where things got out of control. I do believe that that Nebraska team is the best team in the history of college football. Do you really? I do believe that, and maybe that's just me being biased. <laughs> yeah. But I also believe that if we played them ten times, it would have gone a little bit differently than it did that night. It just wasn't wasn't our night. 
Wow, that's interesting. I mean, do you, you remember that, that, that the second and third string guys were as big as what their first yeah. string guys were. They were deep. And, and it goes to speak to sometimes I think you embrace where you're from and who you are. I think Nebraska needs to go back to running the triple option. That the, 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 the big corn-fed guys they had there on the offensive-defensive line, play to your strengths instead of trying to do you know, what Callahan went with the West Coast offense. They're doing stuff now that's not really Nebraska football. So I, I, um, I think that they, they were obviously a, uh, a really well-built team. Um, but they, in my opinion, still the best or one of the best, if not the best of college football history. And a guy at the quarterback position from Frazier, Florida, from Florida yeah. who was perfect yeah, for, for that. that system, right? Perfect. Yep. Cause he could, I mean, he wasn't a great thrower, but he threw enough, but what he could, you know, what he did mm-hmm. in terms of running the ball, oh, they were, yeah. And, yep. and I think sometimes fans look at it, well, Florida didn't play well that day. Oh, okay, maybe. I mean, I'm sure you could say we could have done things better, but sometimes fans don't give credit to the other guy. Yeah. Sometimes we're good. You, you don't play well, it's because of the other right. team and what they did yes. to you. Yeah, they, they had a good plan. They executed that plan really well. And I'll go back to what I said earlier. Losing in that game helped Florida win the national championship the next year, right? Learning from those mistakes, learning how you handle that, that situation leading up to the – we were – crushed with media attention and all that was going on sports illustrated cbs everything else and so i think that helped manage it a little bit but i also think you know if we if we would have utilized the shotgun in that game it probably would have helped some coach made that that change after the fsu game in 96 the regular season one but i think that the evolution of the program started because of disappointing losses that led to success because of the tweaks that were made uh jimmy had a question uh, an email he he well, asked who's the last caller do you remember? Uh, oh. I appreciate him bringing up that uh, worst memory in my life. That was good. It was a good welcome to uh, the show here today. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, he asked about Georgia, mm-hmm. and, he, and he said, you know, he, he, he said you've been through this, Chris, that there, is there a natural letdown as a program after you win it all? I think there can be. Um, I, you know, I never never was fortunate enough to win a national championship, but I think you know, winning those SEC championships, you can look at it as a natural letdown, or does that feeling become addictive? And I think there is that that drive, especially for a team like Georgia, who just had 15 guys drafted to the NFL. You're talking about a lot of guys that are going to step up and now have opportunities that they didn't have before. So they're trying to fill the shoes of those. I could see if it was largely the same team coming back and the feeling of maybe being complacent, but these guys are all looking to have their names called in the NFL draft, all looking for their opportunities to step up. So I, I don't see that being a reality in, in Athens this year. All right, we got Chris for another half hour. Still plenty of time for you to call us and talk some football here. Uh, Jim had a softball thing, so I'll get to it because he, he did the email. He said, uh, unbelievable, 12 SEC teams made the regional, um, only South Carolina uh, out. One of this helps with other teams getting a bigger cut of dollars. I don't know what that means, but, I mean, the SEC in softball is really good. It, it's fun to watch. And it, the best part about it is, do you remember when I grew up here in the state of Florida, we were still, it was slow-pitch softball, you know, that was being played in high school. And then they, 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 they brought fast-pitch softball to high school uh, athletics here within the state. And it was still the SEC recruiting the, 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 team, the players from out west. Well, we've, we've now perfected it here in this conference. And, and the Pac-12 
is now chasing the SEC instead of the SEC chasing the past 12 like it one, used to be. 128, time check brought to you by Hayes Chillery, ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. From the heart of campus and the College of Journalism and Communications on Stadium Road, ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. As a small business owner, you've got ings to do. That's why the UPS Store is here to help. From printing to shredding, even mailboxing, you can get every ing your small business needs all done in one trip, saving you time for all your other ings, like professional photo taking or just enjoying family dinner. The UPS Store, every ink for small business, all in one place. The UPS Store. The UPS Store locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours may vary. See Center for details. Since 1971, Meldon Law has been dedicated to giving back to our community with programs like Law Talk Live on the Sky every Saturday at 1030. You can also join our podcast, Meldon Law and Friends, every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and 37 other audio platforms. Meldon Law, the only official injury law firm partner of the Florida Gators, now with offices in Gainesville, Ocala, and Lake City. May is here, and you know what that means. Gainesville Harley-Davidson's annual Hog Roast. Saturday, May 21st, 12 to 4. Enjoy fresh off-the-pit mouth-watering pulled pork with all the fixings. The big engine band, live on stage, vendors, prizes, and more. Proceeds benefit Children's Miracle Network, so help us help kids. Plus, get to Gainesville Harley-Davidson during the month of May because free gas for a year has been extended. Get free gas for one year with every new bike purchase. Restrictions apply, no cash value. See dealer for details. GainesvilleHarley.com. Don't go through another summer with that awful joint pain. Call QC Kinetics now. That pain in your back, your knees, your shoulder, it can now be treated with the latest in precision medicine using natural biologics, growth factors that can restore and repair damaged tissue. Really exciting stuff here. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine giving you access right here to this modern-day joint pain solution. You can get lasting joint pain relief with no drugs, no steroids, no downtime, and no surgery. You've heard Emmett Smith raving about QC Kinetics. You've read or seen other high-profile people talking about it. Regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can help you get your life back. Take action now. Get a free consultation. Powerful, effective joint pain treatments with natural biologics are here. Call the local medical professionals at QC Kinetics now. Now with offices in Ocala and the Villages. 352-400-4550. That's 352-400-4550. From the UF Weather Center, here is your WRUF weather update. Partly cloudy skies again today with hot high temperatures. They'll climb into the low 90s inland to the upper 80s along both coastlines. And just like yesterday, I'm expecting scattered thunderstorm activity to crop up, especially across interior North Florida. Locally heavy rainfall rates, a few damaging wind gusts are possible from the strongest storm cells. Most storms dying off before midnight. From the UF Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Megan Borowski. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Three-time All-NBA defensive team, Patrick Beverly. With CP3, would you deem him as a top five point guard? To everybody game basketball. Top ten, that's pushing it. Top five, no. And there's no discredit to CP. He's going to be a Hall of Fame, of course, but, I mean, we're talking about some studs, man. If you give anyone the keys for that long, you should have those numbers. Key, J, and Max. Weekday mornings at 6 right here on ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF. Coming up at 4, 
It's the tailgate with Jeff Cardozo and Pat Dooley right here on ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF, and on your phone with the WRUF radio app. I'm Mick Hubert, voice of the Gators, and you're listening to Sports Scene with Steve Russell on ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF, the flagship of the Florida Gators. Welcome back to Sports Scene. Chris Doring from the SEC Network, our in-studio guest. Chris uh, Payton, this will bring back some memories for you. Uh, any memories from your arena days, whether it be the Carolina Cobras <laughs> or the L.A. Avengers? You know what, bro? I love – somebody did some research on Wikipedia or maybe somewhere else on the Internet. I had to sign with the Carolina Cobras. After I tore my Achilles in Denver playing for the Broncos in 99, I came back in 2000. I wasn't completely healthy. I got cut in camp. I was out the rest of that year, and I didn't have any other options heading into the next season. Um, so my, my, uh, my, this was heading into the 2001 season. I went up to Carolina, uh, to, to meet the coach of the Cobras actually signed with the, the Cobras. And fortunately I was probably the only Gator that was happy about coach Spurrier making the announcement that he was going to the NFL, to the, to the Washington franchise. Cause I knew it was going to lead to having another opportunity. So I avoided having to go to the arena league, to the Carolina Cobras, I think the LA Avengers had my rights and they got my rights, but I never end up going that route. That's a brutal game, man. I, I'm I'm thankful that I didn't have to do that. I also never I bought my passport back um after the ninety seven, ninety after the ninety eight season because I thought I was gonna have to go to the uh what was it, NFL Europe at that time and uh didn't end up having to go that route either. But um certainly uh, grateful that I never had to play on that hard turf and get hit up against the wall at Arena League. Yeah, that's tough. Let's bring uh, Dave to the show. Hi, Dave. Hey, Steve. Uh how you doing today? Uh good to be with you, uh Chris. And uh uh your dad became a bit of a friend when he was the distinguished professor for the Alumni Association. Had some great memories of him um, talking to a layman about pharmacy-related mm-hmm. stuff, of which I don't understand. Oh, great guy! Thank um, you. Here's here's what here's what I want to I want to touch upon. It's antitrust in um, in college sports, and we're we're beginning to understand, I think, the ramifications of the Austin case. I hope you've read that and looked at that some. I know a lot of folks folks are talking around that a lot, and a lot of the things that we talk about are, if, I'll call them band-aids, to the bigger thing of the necessity of getting an entity that can be at the table that actually represents the players, the college athletes in this whole thing of NIL and portals and all the rules that govern that. And I'm wondering if you have some thoughts in that regard. I, you know, you call it a union or association, but it, 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 something like that, is what makes collective bargaining and the pros actually work within mm-hmm. the parameters of the antitrust laws of the United States. And the Supreme Court has said very clearly now, we're not putting up with this anymore. You have, you have some thoughts, Chris? I don't know enough about the legalities, to be honest with you. Uh, I do think that unionization is probably the next step and, and having some sort of collective bargaining agreement. That, doesn't, doesn't that require unionization to, I think to so. collectively bargain? I think Steve? so, yes. So I don't know enough about it, but I think it's certainly heading. While I think it is heading in that direction, it's funny because I think there was a lot of pushback from 
from fans and administrators about players unionizing, but I think it would actually be the best thing for the game right now and the worst thing for the players because the players, it's like the wild, wild west. They can do whatever they want and take whatever they want with no sort of rules or enforcement. I think unionization would provide structure that would probably be helpful to the game of college football and college athletes and uh, athletics in general. Yeah, or association. You know, I mean, the NCAA is an association, and uh, the players creating an association or union, whatever term you want to use, is really essential to that. And breaking apart or going to the top 65, those kind of things, are those are all Band-Aids. Or trying to put there some things that just kind of suppress uh, the, the problem for a little bit longer. Right now, as you say, as soon as an individual feels like they're being wronged by it, they can run it at a court, and they're, they're probably going to wind up winning the deal uh, as it goes. But anyway, thanks. Go Gators, you're the best, man. Go hey, Gators. thank you. Appreciate your call. I can say go Gators here on this network, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, you right, sure can. Deal. Yes. Patrick says, what Gators that you play with are you closest with now? Probably Danny Warfel. I mean, Danny, I don't know if we're close or he's just really cheap. Um Every time he comes to Gainesville, he stays at my house. You know, it's like a bed and breakfast there for Danny. I, I, I give him room. I, I make him breakfast. Uh, we work out together a lot. We have shakes, uh, have the you know, protein shake. So I think he likes the amenities and, and what comes along with our friendship. But uh, Danny, I, I, it, it's so great to be as connected to Danny as I've been for so many years. And, you know, being one year apart, uh, but coming onto the scene the same way. Remember the Monday night scrimmages that uh, Coach Burrier used to have? Yes. He and I hooking up out there for, for some receptions and touchdowns on the practice field that led to what we did on the, the game field and then the the relationship that was built by us rooming together the night before games in the hotels and, and then reconnecting in Washington together and rooming together when we were there in training camp and everything else. It's been such a, a great uh, journey together with him as friends and his they were just in town. His son got into UF, and we'll be starting here this summer. And and uh, my daughter's you know finishing up her sophomore year, heading into her junior year here. So there's a lot of, lot of uh, intertangled uh, <laughs> dynamics of our relationship, and it's just fun to have a friendship for that long. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean that is. I mean you, you know, it's one thing you can't stay close to everybody. That that that's just the way it is. That's the way the world is. But when you have a special bond like that, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Chris is here for the next 20 minutes, 392-8255. You can email uh, srussell at wruf.com. I want to talk a little bit, Chris, about the playoff because it baffles me that they could not come to an agreement there, and it's going to stay this way for a couple of more years. Do you see the playoff eventually expanding? I see the playoff eventually expanding. It would have expanded had the news not come out about Oklahoma and Texas migrating to the SEC. It's the ultimate cutting off your nose despite your face example, right? This would have been good for everybody. The money that it would have increased and distributed to the the universities the opportunity for the pac-12 to have representation which they rarely do uh the the getting the the group of five teams to have representation in it like it would have been good for everybody but this idea that the sec and commissioner sankey was uh working behind the scenes to to have oklahoma and texas come out the timing could not have been worse it's inevitably going to happen I would have loved to have been a part of a true playoff system the way that that we have with four teams and having eight. I I know there's a big fear about blowouts in the semifinal games that we've experienced, but what a great opportunity for student-athletes, more student-athletes to have an opportunity to compete for a championship, a meaningful game that's going to keep more players invested. We're worried about guys deciding to opt out of bowl games. 
or even regular season games, make more of those regular season games matter for more teams and you're going to have more participation. If you, but the great point you make though, if you expand the playoffs, let's say eight teams, and your school, do the, are the other bowl games, I don't want to say meaningless because it's not. Cause They've it's, already become somewhat meaningless in yeah. a lot of people's minds. I love watching them all. I love the tradition. But I, I, do you think these younger kids care about going to right. you know, some of these, these non-New right. Year's Six Bowl games or championship games for that matter? Yeah, I just, that's, that's my fear. That, I mean, going to the Orange Bowl or going to the Sugar Bowl used to be a big deal. Yeah. But now if it's not part of the playoff, eh. Yeah. And that's that. That's a byproduct I don't like. Yeah. Um, I, unfortunately, it might be time. It, it's going to happen here soon. Football, the the big Power Five conferences are going to break off and create their own entity, and it's going to create a whole other championship. And the the bowl bowl games, unfortunately, are on their last leg as it is. It's great entertainment for us as fans, but I I don't know how much it really matters to a lot of these kids these days. Unfortunately, I've been waiting to ask you this because there's a team in the SEC that nobody is talking about that I think is intriguing, and that's LSU. Think about the team they had mm-hmm. with Orgeron mm-hmm. just a couple of years ago and what's happened since then. I mean, that, you could write a book about that. Well, new coach there who had, had a lot of talent drained from that team. Is that a good fit as a coach at LSU and what do you see their future? Well, we, we here at the University of Florida are kind of intertwined in that because I think Billy Napier and Brian Kelly will always be measured together. They, they were the two new coaches that were hired this offseason. A lot of LSU people were disappointed that Billy Napier wasn't taken more seriously as a candidate for the job there, being right under their nose in the same state at Louisiana Lafayette. Um, I think people are pretty happy probably with both hires the way that they are right now. Uh, certainly, Brian Kelly has the resume and uh, has gotten a lot of attention. You know, some of it uh, at his own expense in in the off season. But um, LSU is one of those jobs that that it almost recruits itself. I mean, the the fact they've won three national titles with three different coaches in the last what twenty years or so speaks to the possibilities and capabilities there of that job. So uh, I think he'll have a lot of success. But I think it'll be interesting to see how we always measure. What happens at, at Florida under Billy Napier to what happens at, at LSU under Brian Kelly? I've asked this before of you, Chris, but I'm going to ask it a different way. In the East, it's most years, it's always been sort of Florida, Georgia. Most years, okay? I think Beamer did a heck of a job mm-hmm. at Carolina mm-hmm. last year. You mentioned Josh Heupel. Is it, and Drinkwitz has recruited well, is it tougher now in the East than it used to be? I think it's becoming tougher than it used to be. I mean, let's go back to when Florida went to those back-to-back championship games under McIlwain. That was not because of anything Florida had done. That was because there was a huge void in the East, and uh, Florida kind of backed into that situation, and they were pretty much uh, exposed by Alabama in both of those games. But I, I would say, and even to that degree, like Missouri winning, going to the SEC title game because of how down the East was, um, now you're seeing not only the, the powerhouse team in Georgia, but you're seeing the, the bottom of the division kind of raise their, their level of play. The competitiveness, I think that's one of the great storylines heading into the season is who's the second best team in the SEC East this year. Um, BB, and, and this is you have to know him to get this, 
says, somehow with NIL, visions of the movie The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, bogey, and its sad ending of friendship gone bad over gold keeps flashing in my mind. How do you think football teams will avoid disastrous dissension with some players receiving so much while others don't? And if you were king, would you set the individual player NIL cap at how would you treat the less fortunate players? I I think that's one of the things that we're going to have to continue to monitor. It happens in the NFL, right? There's a large disparity. I remember there were guys that were getting paid in one week's paycheck what I was making for the whole season. So that, that exists. But that's a business with more mature people that have you know lived a little bit longer life and have an understanding of what they're getting into. In college football right now, you have guys that are on rosters that are proven players that have been starters at, at SEC universities that are making far less than guys that are coming out of high school that have never done a thing in their life. That, that's a problem, and that's going to create some, some resentment in the locker room, in my opinion. So I, I do think there needs to be some sort of slotting Coach Napier talked about this with us when I met with him back in April. It was like, hey, if you're the starting left tackle in the SEC, you're going to make this much. If you're a, a quarterback and in, in starting in this conference, you're going to make that much. I think that would be a way to create a little bit of, of uh, fairness amongst the, the teams uh, in college football, but also amongst the, you know, keeping some of that resentment uh, from happening. Like, How angry would you possibly be if you're an offensive lineman that blocks for a quarterback that's making millions of dollars and you're all you're getting is a you know a a free you know rack of ribs from the local barbecue company man that, there's a pretty big disparity there uh got a little breaking news here uh Florida Florida State in football they've already announced a 7:30 kickoff on ABC I like it I that it was one of the most sad things for me to watch the last couple of years, culminating with the noon kickoff between Florida and Florida State. Like That game was the epicenter of college football back in the day, and to see it now as an afterthought was sad for me. So I, putting it on Friday night, putting it on primetime, knowing it's going to be on ABC, I love that move. And you know, just another example of, of some leaders in uh, both Florida and Florida State making right decisions to, to get that game where it needs to be. One more segment with Chris. Still time to call and talk and ask him a question. 147. Time check brought to you by Hayes Chillery, ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. Gainesville Sports Center. Here's what's trending now on ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. Good afternoon. I'm Jensen Young. The Gator baseball team starts their final week of the regular season tonight with a game against FSU. You can tune in for coverage of that game right here at 6.55. The Miami Heat start the Eastern Conference Finals tonight against the Boston Celtics after beating the 76ers in the second round. Game 1 will be in Miami. The Tampa Bay Rays continue their three-game series against the Detroit Tigers tonight. Last night, former Gator pitcher Alex Fajardo pitched for the Tigers, giving up just one run. Staying in Tampa, the Lightning begin their second-round series of the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight. They take on the Florida Panthers, who are coming off their first playoff series victory since 1996. That's your Gainesville Sports Center. I'm Jensen Young. ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. Hi, this is Dr. Art Mowry of Exceptional Dentistry. 
listen to what our clients have to say about their experience at Exceptional Dentistry. Then I was going in to have chemo, and before we put in my port, I called and said, I need to come in because that's one of the things about being healthy, is to have healthy teeth and mouth and wanted to get uh, looked at before I went in. They worked me in right away, and I felt so much more confident about going into chemo and also having them back me up as my health care team and the family that's behind me and that Dr. Art called us and said, is there anything you need? And you just don't understand what that means until you go through it, that you've got people behind you, plus such a caring group of people that you can call at any time and say, I have a problem. This is Dr. Kim Mowry, and if you think you have dental problems that are too big to overcome, we're here for you. Please visit us at ExceptionalDentistry.com. That's ExceptionalDentistry.com. Do you have a home that you don't want anymore? We can buy it from you within 24 hours, any home, size, or condition. For over 20 years, we've been buying homes for cash and helping homeowners sell their homes immediately with no listings or strangers walking through your home. Are you moving? Did you lose your job? Going through a divorce? Whatever the reason, if you're in a bind and you know that you need to sell your house fast, call the expert team at I Need to Sell My House Fast. We'll make you a serious cash offer to buy your home in 24 hours and let you walk away from it. No listing, no waiting. Sell any home, any size, any condition now. Call the expert team at I Need to Sell My House Fast. Make this free call now. 800-432-3916. 800-432-3916. That's 800-432-3916. Protect your hard-earned savings from inflation with Radiant Credit Union's Adjustable Rate Certificate. Many investors are waiting and watching as interest rates continue to climb, but inflation could be eating away the value of your savings. Our new Adjustable Rate Certificate lets you invest now, knowing that twice each year, your rate will automatically adjust to keep up with interest rates. Learn more at RadiantCU.org protect. Radiant Credit Union is federally insured by the NCUA. It's a beautiful day for a ball game. It's a baseball that he plays. was signed by Babe Ruth. Who is she? What? The Sultan of Swats. The King of Crash. The Colossus of Every Wednesday morning at 11, we invite you to join the radio team of former Gators pitcher Jeff Cardozo and Steve Russell as the International Diamond Center is proud to bring you On Deck. Our baseball radio play-by-play battery will analyze and evaluate the latest with the Gators, SEC, and everything taking place in college baseball. Rotations and Mr. Rawlings are always front and center. Last season, I led this club in not inning doubles in the month of August. On Deck, presented by the International Diamond Center with Jeff Cardozo and Steve Russell. Wednesday mornings at 11, right here on ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF. We are your home for the Rays, the Lightning, and the Bucks. We are proud to bring Tampa to Gainesville. ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF. This is University of Florida President Kent Fox, and you're listening to Sports Scene with Steve Russell, right here on ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF, and anywhere in the world on the WRUF radio app. 
Welcome back for our final segment with Chris. You got a quick call you want to get in, and I want to thank him for doing this today. He's a busy dude, and uh, this is really good that he's been here. And as we get along and the uh, we get closer to football, I want to ask an NFL question of sure. you, Chris. I mean, we all know the NFL is the best marketing outfit in sports. They've they not done a great job of making themselves relevant year-round. And you've seen the SEC kind of take a little page out yes. of that book as well. I'm, yes. I'm actually heading to Destin in, in a week and a half for spring meetings, and, and yeah. the way they've spread out their schedule has really kind of worked well uh, on that blueprint the NFL uses. Yeah. When you look at the NFL now and the business that it is, it, it intrigues me about how they do the draft and you know all of that. The commissioner gets booed every single time he opens his mouth. Mm-hmm. But I think people forget. It's like Sankey, okay? He's working for the AD. I mean, yeah. and Goodell, like him, hate him, owners must love him. They must love him. You look at the profitability of the league. I mean, that's, that's it. the bottom line. That's all that really matters. And, and I think it's funny because I've, I've talked to people that are friends away from the business side uh, – Friends away from the NFL completely with Roger Goodell have, has a house up next to him in Maine where, where Roger Goodell has a place. Can't say enough about what a great guy he is. But the problem was we were all, when he first came in, he was going to rule with his iron fist and, and some of the things that the decisions that were made were not very player friendly. And not to mention the ruling against the, the Patriots with the deflate gate and some of the other things that have gone on have not been popular necessarily. But I, I think... He's in a position that, that fans, you know, they, they, they use as a, as a target. They love to hate him. But the bottom line of the bit, every one of those franchises has appreciated considerably. The league is, is having the most success it's ever had. And, and uh, I guess in, in that way, he's, he's keeping the train on the tracks. Do you think, back to college, last year was a historically bad year for the three big schools in the state? No question. I mean, Back to the seven, no question, right? Yeah. Given the coaches that are in place now, do you see elevation? For sure, I see elevation. Mario Cristobal was a huge hire for Miami. Getting a guy, and you know that having played for a coach that played at that university, what it means when he's out on the recruiting trail, selling the University of Miami, uh, his his success, where he's come from, and his coaching tree. I think it's a great hire there. I'm interested to see what happens with Mike Norvell. I still feel like a lot of Florida State fans are one foot in, one foot out with him. Uh, It was a disappointing year last year. And I know for a fact, this may be the greatest endorsement ever. I was in Tuscaloosa for uh, SEC Network coverage of of Alabama's Pro Day, and multiple Alabama guys told me unsolicited, hey, you guys got the right guy down there in Gainesville. And so when it comes from that stamp of approval from that program, uh, the pedigree that that Coach Napier has of having been – at, at Alabama with uh, uh, Dabo at, at Clemson and having his own program and experience as a head coach. Like, I think it everything you could possibly want. I have no doubt it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when here in Gainesville. Opening game with Utah is a long way away, but that's a pretty good football team. Very good football team. I honestly believe Florida, if they can go 8-4 and four next year, that's a tremendous, ske- uh, tr- tremendous success given the schedule that they play and kind of what – what uh, Coach Napier and the staff has inherited. Is Kentucky for real? No question they're for real. Not only that that was not a a one-off. I had the opportunity to call their spring game a couple years ago, and they looked like a different Kentucky team. They had created competitive uh, situations at every position. 
And not only have they been able to do that through the high school recruiting, what they've done in terms of turning themselves into a legitimate landing point for talent in the transfer portal, Wande Robinson was a great example of that. Will Levis, as you talked about earlier, and what he can, can, can be this year, um, they built it the right way. Uh, you and I talked off air about Mitch Barnhart, the athletic director there, and the patience that he showed. There was a night that we were in the SEC Network studios. I thought it was a foregone conclusion they were going to fire him. They stuck with their guy. They believed in the process that they were building, and it's paid dividends. And I think they are a legitimate they, – they, that's not a one-hit wonder. That's a team that's built the right way to have sustained success in this conference. Why did Gene Chizik go back into coaching? Are you uh, – Nothing more sad for me. I was getting ready. This was Friday night. I was getting ready to fly to Indianapolis for our coverage there of the national championship game. And Chiz calls me and tells me, hey, CD, uh, I just want to let you know before you know you hear it tomorrow at noon when the announcement's made, I'm, I'm going back with Mac. I'm going to be his defensive coordinator at Chapel Hill. Very happy for him. I, you know, I, I always felt like it was kind of burning inside of him, and I think he felt like the window was closing. But um, a, a big loss for me. Personally, the friendship we have and uh, the chemistry that he and I and Dari and Ben Watson have on set, it'll be something that I miss, man. Does he want to be a head coach again? I think what you could probably see and um, what I imagine is, is probably implied by the hire is that, hey, those guys will get things back on track together. Mac Brown getting a little older. Maybe he moves on and, and that old coach and waiting thing comes to fruition again. That's what I thought, too. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly, dark horse in the SEC. Who dark horse in the SEC this year? Um, Tennessee. Yeah, okay. I, I I don't know if you would consider them a dark horse or not after what happened I, last year. Yeah, I think so though. I I think Tennessee could be that that team. Uh, Josh Heupel again exceeding even my wildest expectations for that program last year. Getting all the experience and talent back, having Hendon Hooker with an off season under his belt as the starting quarterback. Yeah, I think they have a chance to to kind of be a team to keep our eye on. My dark horse last year was Ole Miss, and they certainly lived up to that. Uh, I think Tennessee could be in that same conversation this year. Uh, we got uh, about a minute. Lane Kiffin's a weirdo dude. Yeah. Right? But there's no question the guy can recruit and coach. No question. Yeah, great uh, fit for that program there. And everybody's always talking about him moving on to a different job. I hope that he doesn't because it seems like just a, a, a perfect uh, marriage between Lane Kiffin and, and Ole Miss and the city of Oxford. Um, but it, the guy can coach offense. Uh, has done a, a nice job. I'm interested to see how he does without Jeff Levy. Remember, Jeff Levy returned mm-hmm. to, to Oklahoma. So how are they able to continue to be as, as dynamic offensively with the melding of different schemes the way that they did with Kiffin stuff and some of that Baylor stuff that Jeff Levy brought over? That's sports scene for today. Many thanks to my buddy Chris Doring here. And of course, you can see him all the time on the SEC Network doing his thing. Michael, thank you for producing today. We thank you for listening. We'll do this again tomorrow at noon. Enjoy the rest of your day. ESPN, 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. I'm Steve Russell. See you later. Gainesville, U251CG Gainesville. From the Spurrier's Gridiron Grill Studios, we are ESPN 981 FM, 850 AM, WRUF.